I'm very passionate about teaching women that, hey, strength is power. You know, strength is power. And the stronger you can get, the more functional you'll be where you do not have to rely on anybody else because in your own strength, you can do whatever you want. Welcome to the Horsewoman Project, a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses. Michaela Lyman is the owner and founder of Mac Athletes, where she helps horse-crazy women gain confidence through building the physique and health they've always wanted. When Michaela was young, she moved around quite a bit before settling in small town Cary, Idaho around the age of 10. She's been around horses her whole life, always being labeled the weird horse girl and having quite an impressive nay to prove it. Which you are going to have to prove that to me, so... You can't tell me that. I, I don't know if I can do it anymore, though. I mean, this was like when I was like seven. <laughs> I'll get my throat. Uh, <laughs> after a bad horse accident at the age of seven, she overcame her fear and trauma by getting her first horse, Jake, at the age of 12. He helped her gain her confidence back, after which she bought her next horse by saving up her allowance. She continued with her love of horses by gentling young horses, going into the equine science program at Utah State University, trick riding with the Texas Trick Riders, teaching equine science, coaching vaulting, and creating her own riding lesson business. Through exploring all of these areas, Michaela found a link between the fitness and health of the rider and how riders were able to connect and perform with their horses. As she continued to grow her skills as a horse trainer and professional riding instructor, she began to study nutrition and fitness and achieve professional certifications in both areas, allowing her to help her students and clients excel in their riding with education and guidance around overall fitness and health. Since then, Michaela has transitioned to an online platform so she can help more women gain the confidence, strength, and health they've always wanted while including their horses as part of their journey. Michaela and I first met uh, with me as her coach, after which I was so impressed with her skills, I hired her as my assistant trainer. Uh, We've both grown professionally and personally over the years and have switched roles many times as to who is the student and who's the teacher. I've loved seeing her grow in both her fitness and with horses, and I'm really excited that we get to go into her story today and uh, let all of you hear her story as well. So thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, letting me pick your brain, Michaela. Well, thank you. I'm actually kind of excited about this. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of fun. Yeah. Okay, so first question, which I think will uh, give us kind of fun insight into you is I want to know how you would describe yourself, your personality in 20 words or less. That is like a huge one. And honestly, I knew you were going to ask me this question. (laughs) And I have literally been like racking my brains all night. I'm like, what is my personality like? I don't know. (laughs) I'm a boring person. (laughs) Um, Let's see, my personality. I would say I'm a pretty nice person and now everyone always tells me I'm pretty nice so we'll keep it there and um, I am definitely a like 
a natural coach. Like that is definitely one of my callings. I feel like in life, I just, I've always been able to fall into that. So I would say kind, um, natural coach, I think a little quirky in some ways. If you get to know me, I can be quirky. <laughs> Otherwise I'm pretty like, I tend to be like a little bit more on the quiet, like even kill end if you don't know who I am. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I like, I don't know how to put it in like a really nice precise <laughs> way, but there you go. <laughs> that was way more than 20 it words. It was okay. so much more than 20 <laughs> words. <laughs> it's so hard for me. I do the same thing. And my husband always challenges me. He's like, honey, too many words. Like put it down to 10 or 20 words for me. <laughs> I so need to I just think that's precise. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun way to get you kind of thinking inward and, and oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. So there's a, uh, fun little description of you. Okay. So let's delve into kind of your childhood. What were your early years like? Um, did you have a good family life? Um, what did you think of small town living? Yeah. So gosh, early childhood life. I mean, my parents, bless their hearts. My mom always tells the story like she is, she just grew up worrying so much about my needs because I spent my whole childhood running around as a horse on my knees <laughs> and I went through so many pairs of jeans and she's like I always thought you'd grow up and your knees were going to be like arthritic and like awful <laughs> because you would just pound on them going down the hall like and doing your nay like down, down the hall but um I was always 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 into animals I mean we had if I could have the animals I would have them and my family and my parents were very supportive of that and they did their best um to try to help me keep that. Um, and there were definitely like growing up, I mean, we were not very well off. Um, so they really did, I feel like sacrifice quite a bit to make sure that I could have those things in my life, which I really, I don't know if I fully appreciated it then, but like looking back now, it's like, wow, like they really did go out of their way to make sure that I could have those things. Um, so moving to this small town, like they specifically got acreage so I could have horses, so I could do these things because they saw how important it was for me and, and my mental and emotional health, even just as a small kid, for me to have those things. So um, I loved it. I loved living in the country. Um, we had all sorts of animals. We had goats and sheep and pigs, chickens, horses, um, dogs. Eventually I will have a cow, <laughs> but that was something my mom always put her foot down was like no cows. So, <laughs> so eventually that is still on my list. Um, but I, I really enjoyed having that freedom because where we do live, it is like a quarter mile to the nearest neighbor and we are right on the edge of the Rocky mountains. So I was just always able to just go like and just leave and it was very natural for me to be like okay like I'm going up the mountain I'll see you later you know my friends okay whatever and it's like I would be gone for hours and hours and hours and I'm like I always look back on that I'm like you guys weren't worried about me at all like you know it's like like I literally I even they didn't know where I was going or what I was doing and oh yeah you can do that these days man no no and like I just like think about that I'm like that is like that just so strange I guess like that so that was something that was probably unique in my childhood is like I did like I'd go saddle up my horse and be like hey I'm going for a ride like I'll be back later and there are times I'm like I look back on that I'm like oh my gosh I got into so many like crazy scenarios by myself <laughs> that I'm like probably because of those experiences I'm like I can never let my kids do that <laughs> <laughs> because I know <laughs> yes exactly but but yeah I mean 
it's kind of like a long about way, but my, my family was very supportive, um, of me growing up and like, and it's definitely one of those things that I really appreciate now, like looking back and going, wow, like I really do feel like they went out of their way to make sure I could have these things. Um, just because it, it was something that was made me happy and was very healthy for me. Um, small town living has its ups and downs. <laughs> so there, there are bits and pieces that I absolutely love about it. Like I love how far away or like a far away we are from neighbors and things. It's been really nice. Like we've never had any neighbor disputes or anything like that, just cause like no one cares where we're at. Um, and I really, really love living on the edge of, of the mountains and being able to just go out and explore right from my backyard. And that, that has been something that is kind of become a need for me as I've come into adulthood is like, I really need to be somewhere where I can just go explore. I I've grew up like that and I love it. Um, yeah. but small town in general, not as fun as I think some people would think. <laughs> so we like our town only has 600 people in it. So I graduated, my graduating class was 13 kids. Um, and it was just one of those, like you grow up with them and if you do anything weird when you're five, you are just like, that's your label until you graduate from high school. And so there's a lot of things like from that, that I think have really fixed my mindset. And it's actually been really hard for me to grow out of the kind of that mindset of like, wow, everybody knows what you're doing all the time, because in a town like this, they really do. And they, they are on top of what you're doing and they have their judgments and their things. And it really does affect you going forward and how you grow going forward, where I feel like in, in a bigger towns, um, it's not quite like that, you know, like you do have, if, if your friends are, you know, like grow, grow away from you, you have other friends you can go to or other people you can go to and make friends where here it's like, no, like if these people decide they don't like you, you've got nothing. And that was, that was really hard growing up. Um, but then yeah. there are, there are some aspects of it that are nice too. Like when, when um, things happen, everybody does know like, hey, you're going through a hard time. And most of the time people will pick up and, and try to be there for you or um, be yeah. a little bit more understanding of that. So pros and cons for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I've got a little bit of a taste about where I live now. So not quite that small. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but definitely small town compared to where I grew up. So, yeah. um, so how many siblings did you have? So I grew up with all brothers. I've got three brothers. I am the second oldest. So I've got an older brother and then two younger brothers. Okay. Yeah. And were they into horses too, or just the kooky little girl? I was the kooky little girl. My brothers (laughs) could care less about animals. Like they like dogs, you know, that's about it. (laughs) Um, They are all computer geeks. So they are all professional computer programmers and technicians. Um, And that's where they have always liked to spend their time is on computers. Like they grew up playing computer games and things while I was outside riding my horse in the mountains. Like that's just, (laughs) I really didn't like there are times I like look back I'm like how did I even fit in you know <laughs> like and I really didn't you know my my brothers are very different from me um but for the most part like I feel like you know you have your normal sibling rivalries you know growing up and you you butt heads definitely um but for the most part I feel like we all get along pretty well but it's mm-hmm. been something like just in the last couple of years where I've really realized like 
wow, there's a lot of things that really were for me. Um, like as far as where we've lived and the animals we've had, like when growing up, I didn't really realize that. I always just thought like, oh, this is just what my family does. Like we do it as a family. And then it's like looking back or like looking at it now and just noticing like, oh no, that was just me. Like, like <laughs> I'm the one who kind of forced everyone into this path, you know, so it's just, it's path. interesting. You're right. Like can't complain too much. <laughs> So were all of your friends four-legged or what do you think? Did you have some human ones too? <laughs> you know, great question. Um, with it being such a small town, like I said, there, there are those times, like if people decide they don't like it, you don't have anybody. So I would say like in high school, I, I would say I had like two really good friends. Um, but for the most part, it was mainly animals like horses and my dogs. Those two particular animals were my life. And they were the ones like if I had a bad day and needed to cry, I'd go down to the pasture, sit in the middle of the pasture and just bawl. And my horse would just come and just stand by me, you know, and my dog would come sit in my lap. And that's, you know, I would say that they were my safe space for sure. Yeah. Um, where friends like yeah, like I said, I mean, when you have only 12 people to pick from, <laughs> and in my <laughs> class, there was only, there was only four girls out of my entire class. So it's like, you know, if, if you don't quite fit into what they're doing or um, anything, it is, it is harder to connect that way. So definitely hung out a lot with my animals. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, they're definitely worth hanging out with just the energy that the animals have, you know, it's like you said, you can go cry in front of them and and just feel the, that healing energy from them. So that's awesome. Yes. Um, so one of my things that I love about you that just shows so much about how, how much you can overcome is your accident that you had when you were seven, was it seven? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so do you want to kind of go into that a little bit and kind of tell us that story and how you kind of came through that over the years in your childhood? Yeah, sure. So I feel like this, I've had a lot of points in my life where it's like, man, this was a specific turning point and this was a specific turning point. And this is probably one of the first ones I've had. Yeah. Um, because like I said, I grew up just loving, loving horses and wanting to like be one. Like, I really wish I could just, you know, turn into a horse. I would have loved that. <laughs> um, but growing up, like my grandpa had a bunch of horses and he loved Arabians and he is definitely one of those guys that's like rough and tough, like ride like the wind cowboys, like, you know, <laughs> just hang on and ride kind of a guy. And so I grew up pretty much with that style of like, he just throw me on one of his Arabs that he uses for endurance racing and be like, well, hold on, you know, like good luck. <laughs> and so I definitely had more accidents. I feel like the than maybe was necessary as a little kid um, because of some of those instances. But there was one summer where um, a cousin and I went and spent just a week or so with my grandparents. And um, my grandpa was taking us on a trail ride with, with all of his Arabs up into the hills. And, you know, of course, like we turn around and the Arabs are like, great, let's go home, you know, and they're all race bred Arabs. So our two horses just took off and we're going around these hills. And if you know, like any of the foothills in 
Provo, because this is kind of where that was. There are some of those where it's like, it's literally just a drop off at the one end. So I just remember as a little kid, like this horse is running and I'm like trying to remember like all of the things I'm pulling back as hard as I can. And I can hear my cousin behind me screaming. And I remember being like, don't scream. You're going to scare the horses, you know, and as I'm like, trying to pull my horse around and be like, okay, it's going to be okay. I'll just hold on and it'll be fine. Right. Like I, if I just stay on, it'll be fine. But I also remember looking down down this ridge and going oh please don't fall down this ridge please don't fall down this ridge but then what ended up happening is my saddle actually slipped because my my cinch was loose so my saddle slipped and my foot got caught in the stirrup and I came down and was drug um underneath the horse for a little ways and luckily i don't know how divine intervention something my foot came out of that stirrup and I was able to drop to the ground and I remember opening my eyes just in time to see my cousin's horse's hoof drop about an inch to stepping onto my legs that were just like out into the middle and I mean I don't know how it missed my legs and then she um I looked over just in time to see her just just leap off her horse and come down and I'm just like I'm like are you okay you know and she's crying and upset and I'm definitely one of those people like I will be the tough one in this situation like I'm not like it'll be fine so I'm not crying or anything I'm just laying there going okay is anything broken like you know doing that like mental check you do after a fall like okay like am I okay and I had rocks in my hair and in my mouth and like oh it was just not fun and then my grandma comes around the corner and then I just start falling you know I'm like I'm not okay you know but with that like I mean obviously had some a pretty good concussion from that and um tore up like the whole side of my right side was just gone like just skinned completely and my cousin was skinned up pretty good and I remember uh, my grandma would throw parties that we would help at and we were supposed to help waitress at this party like a couple of days later and for the life of me, people would be like, I'm like, oh, can like, what can I get you? You know, and of course we're little seven-year-olds. So it's like, it's not work with that much help, but um, <laughs> they'd be, you know, they'd ask me to get something and I'd come back in and I could not remember what they'd asked, you know, like, I just remember oh. being like, like, I just could not hold on to what people had asked me to get them or anything. So definitely yeah. some head injuries there. Um, yeah, wow. But yes, it was, it was very, like, very traumatizing for me. Um, that situation and really just instilled a lot of fear. And I mean, like, I don't know how much, you know, about like the development of the brain, you know, but that's like about five years old to like seven is kind of when that fear part of your brain starts to develop anyways. And I definitely think that had a big part to play of like this, this thing that had just really started to develop. And so it just, it really, um, scared me like really really bad and I had a really hard time with horses after that I mean I loved them and it was it was very hard for me because you know I just I craved being with them it was like my soul you know like I just I wanted to ride them I wanted to be with them but I was dead terrified you know it's like I because I have aunts and uncles even here in this town that have horses that would you know let me come ride and things and I just couldn't do it you know they would offer and I'm like I I really want to and then I'd get there and I'm like like I literally just I couldn't do it like physically couldn't do it I was just in so much panic like just couldn't do it so it definitely yeah it definitely made it hard to to get back into the horse world and um I had an aunt that lived here and she had some horses and she was really helpful in in kind of helping me 
really build back that confidence because she had um one horse in particular that was dead broke like put your one-year-old on dead broke like just old and and whatnot and so she would um give me some like little lessons in her field I mean I can remember maybe I mean not a ton but like maybe three or four times where she where she would throw me on her and try to kind of like help coach me through some of the fear so Um, what was sorry let me interrupt you there yeah go ahead go ahead (laughs) what was it like the first time getting back on a horse after that accident do you remember the first time um yeah the first time it was like because like this horse dead broke but it was a thoroughbred (laughs) (laughs) and she was like you know 16 plus hands and I'm like up there and I'm like like I thought for sure okay maybe I need a pony like so like forever I was like researching shorter ponies because I'm like I could fall off a pony it would be fine and this horse I just remember being up there I'm like she's so tall like I don't know about this and you know that hunched over like you get like and you're holding onto the horn and you're just like oh you know and every little movement that she did I just kind of like get a little bit of fear jolt through me you know yeah, I call um, that fetal position on a horse, by the way. Yes, a fetal like, position on a horse. That, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> that tense, like, oh my goodness. But yeah, um, it took me a long time too, because I remember like people would need to lead me around for, for a minute and then I'd be like, okay, I'll try steering by myself. But like, I would just panic, right? Like if, if the horse was at all hard for me to move, it was just a very panicking situation for me. Or I would definitely leap off. If, if at any moment that I was like, mm, I was off, like uh, very good at the emergency dismount. Queen <laughs> of that maneuver. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I rudely interrupted about your aunt. <laughs> oh no, you're good. Um, I just like looking back, I think she was very helpful in helping me kind of move through that because she's she's very much one of those people who's kind of like oh push through it kind of like come on and I think that was actually kind of helpful for me um that that little bit of attitude like she was able to help me through a little bit but also that attitude of like oh just do it I think was also helpful in me being like okay because like that's just my personality like I am not one who often asks for help I have a really hard time asking for help so I think having someone just kind of push me and expect me to do it was probably a little helpful because I was like well I got to do this you know I'm not I'm not going to be weak and ask for help or or um tell her I'm scared so yeah I think that that was helpful and and helping me kind of build that back up and I know you mentioned like I got my um my first horse, Jake, and he was definitely instrumental in, in helping me through everything. And he was, he was just an angel of a horse. One of those, like, oh my gosh, like, can't believe I was so lucky to get him. Um, but very, very patient, older horse that just would put up with whatever the heck I was doing (laughs) and just, you know, would go when I wanted him to go, but also was like, okay, like he was one horse I'd go on trail rides and I'd just like doze on his back while he just you know, went home and that's just the kind of horse he was. And he was very helpful for that. Yeah. I think having a horse that, that can kind of absorb that nervous energy, you know, if you, if they do have a nervous rider to be able to just stick with them and and say, Hey, I've got you. And because there's so many horses out there that are not that way, they, they entrain to your energy. And if you are nervous, that horse will get nervous so I think, you know, Jake had that magical ability to just say, I got you, you know? Yeah. Um, no, he so for sure he did. Was, <laughs> he was a pretty cool guy. Yes. So, yep. That's awesome. 
So you gained your love of horses back, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel I don't like I ever lost my love. Yeah. Because like I always loved them. And it was always very, very painful for me that I just had that fear. Like that fear was a very painful experience for me because I did have that love. And I did have that like almost just physical need to be with them. And the fact that the fear was holding me back was so hard for me. But yeah. definitely gained my confidence back, I think, is probably yeah. what it they gained my yeah. gained my confidence back in them. <laughs> yeah. So how has that experience um, taught you how to handle fear? Has it changed the way you handle fear now? That's a great question. Um, I think in some ways, because if I'm being honest, like that fear has come back just like the last year has been really hard for me, just nervous system wise. I had a lot of trauma things come up in the last year. And I really felt that fear come back with my horses and just to where it was kind of that same panicky, like even with the horses that I've got right now, who I trust completely, you know, like, and I have a good relationship with them. Like that fear was definitely there. And I think being able to kind of draw back from that experience of like, Hey, like I know, that no matter what, I'm going to work through this. Like, this is not something that's going to make me stop and make me quit. Right. Like, I know that's just not me. And I know no matter what, like, I'm going to work through this fear and I'm going to figure out what I need to do and I will get it back. And so I'm not sure if it's necessarily helped me cope with the fear as much as it's helped me like push through the fear and just have the confidence of like, Hey, it's okay. Like sit in my fear for a minute and just figure out whatever needs to be done to, to yes. handle this and to heal from this. But with that confidence of like, Hey, like I, I know that I'm going to overcome this. Cause I know that this is a huge and big important thing in my life for me to overcome. Yeah. And it's like, you can be who your aunt was for you. You can now be that for yourself and push yourself past those limits where, you know, when you were young and you were, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, uh, you weren't able to do on your own and your aunt helped, helped be that for you. And now you're able to say, Hey, I can, I can push myself through that. I know I can push myself and go through that, that hard part. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a hundred percent true. It's like, it's like, yeah, I, I like, I like how you made that connection. <laughs> it's a good connection. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so your next horse, you said you got when you were, um, how old were you when you got the, your next horse? Oh gosh. How old was I? Um, you know what? I think I probably got her maybe a year or two after I got Jake. So I would have been 13, 14, I think when okay. I got her. And now this horse just like flabbergasted me that you even would get on this horse after <laughs> what you had experienced. I'm like, wait, you got on what horse? <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about this horse. So this horse, bless her name. Her <laughs> name was Rancy. So that doesn't tell you anything about what this horse was like. <laughs> um, beautiful, beautiful dapple gray horse. Like she was gorgeous. Just, just a beautiful horse. And I think, um, too, like I had a couple of horses kind of cycle through before her. Cause I was definitely at a point where I was ready to advance past what Jake could provide me. Um, so I tried out like a couple of other Arabians who scared the, I can't swear. So the living daylights out of me. <laughs> um, so, so her, when she came, she was kind of, I think like, I think I'd had an Arabian that we had just um, taken back to the owner that we got him from because he was not working out he was one of those I'm like 
just he'd had that look in his eye like I'm gonna kill you and I'm like he's gonna kill me <laughs> so we had to we had to return him <laughs> um, but anyway so this horse came to me and she she was hot just dancing around prancing around blowing her nose you know as like the person brings her out of the trailer to show her to me and I'm just like okay you know and they're like you want to hop on her and I'm just like you know and I'm like I said I'm one of those people I'm like I'm not going to pretend that I'm weak like that I don't do weakness you know so I'm just like yeah I'll get on her you know and I'm like on top of her as I'm trying her out like okay please don't do anything please don't do anything you know riding her down the road and just and bringing her back and like talking to my parents about her because I had saved up I mean seriously all of my allowance since I was five to buy this horse like that's the money that went into this horse was all of my allowance for I don't know the last like nine years or more and my dad if you you know where I get my like non-confrontation from is my dad so (laughs) he (laughs) I like talking to him and I was like well I'm not sure about this horse but like I have a hard time saying no to people right so I don't want to turn to this person who brought this horse to me and be like no you know like this isn't a good fit because you know I just that's also my dad doesn't do that you know like that's very much him like he is not going to do that so um they offered to let me try her out for two weeks I was like okay like I'll try her out for two weeks and if she is like this the whole two weeks then it's gonna be a no right well my dad being the non-confrontational like no like doesn't want to like do anything he goes in grabs my envelope of money hands it over and says we'll just buy her and I'm just like I'm sitting there like uh uh you know like okay I'm not sure about this but we bought her so I was like I guess we'll have to make this work you know um but it's like in hindsight it's like she is the horse that helped me grow like at an ex exponential rate like she took me from being like still kind of a nervous scared kid to feeling like I can pretty much handle whatever any horse throws at me after this horse (laughs) because she would she would just she was just hot and she had very loud nose and we would go up and and like I said I rode by myself my family doesn't ride so whenever I rode it was always by myself and I would take her up into the mountains and she'd rear on me she'd take off she'd do all these stupid things that I'm like oh if my parents even knew what happened to me up in those hills like there's no way they'd ever let me ride by myself again um but she just she I feel like taught me a lot about my own skill um where I really just like learned to trust my own skill and she taught me a lot too about safety and about like knowing knowing your horse because she was one that um she would barrel out of a trailer there's no way you would go and take her out of the trailer she um the moment that trailer door opened she shot out of there and I just learned that and one day like scared my aunt uncle to death because I had trailered her to their house to go for a trail ride and um and I just knew her you know at this point so I went up untied her from the trailer before I opened the door opened the door she comes flying out and they were on the other side of the trailer so they couldn't see where I was and they had thought I was in the trailer with her and I'm like it's it's kind of night so you know sparks are flying as she's coming out from her shoes and she just (laughs) you know 
Brushes out, leaves skid marks in the gravel, you know, and then all they see is my hand on the ground when I reach down to grab her lead rope. And oh my gosh, they were just mortified. They came rushing around and they, you know, they know me. So they thought for sure I was just like, oh, I'm fine. You know, I was like, oh no, I'm good. Like, you know, and they're like, yeah, whatever. So they called my parents and were like, I can't believe like your daughter, like, you, you let your daughter ride this horse. And because they, they thought for sure she'd run me over in the trailer and they thought that I was just hiding it, <laughs> you know, but, but so we ended up having, after that experience, that horse got sold because it scared the adults in my life. But I was laughing. I'm like, that's what scared you. Like there's so many other situations. <laughs> worse than that like I have a handle on that yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) exactly like I was prepared so but she she is definitely that horse that boosted my confidence enough to feel like I could do other things with other horses and um and yeah like you know I feel like Jake Jake got me to where I could ride again but I was definitely stalled and I could only ride him you know, like that's kind of where I was like, he is the only one I can trust. He's the only one I will ride where Rancy was like, well, gee, if I can ride you, I can kind of ride anything, you know? <laughs> so she kind of boosted that confidence in my, in my own skill. Yeah. So, so good, good things, you know, learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever wonder where she is now? You know what? Not really. like love her appreciate her for that experience but she and I did not like never did connect like we just you know and I've had a few horses like that where we just never connected Mm -hmm. um so definitely appreciate the experiences with her um but yeah I've never I've never really thought too much about where she's at or been too concerned I'm pretty sure she went to a breeding farm um because she had she had pretty good papers and and was gorgeous like she she was really pretty so I think that's where she ended up going all right so I do kind of want to stay in your childhood here for just a minute longer um what did you do other than horses um like what activities were you involved in growing up uh sports or music or uh, art you know anything like that okay well funny story because you say music because <laughs> you're such a music girl um so I I did do music like I did a little bit of choir and stuff but again like my school's so small people beg you to come it's not like like you have tryouts but they're not going to cut you like for anything <laughs> like yeah they don't cut you so I went out for choir mainly because I was dating this boy that I really liked and he he was in choir so I was like well I will I'll do choir you know um (laughs) so anyways um so we did like performances and things and and whatnot but (laughs) my mic uh my uh choir director would turn my mic all the way down during performances (laughs) and everybody else's would be up and I like and I like noticed it one time I was like oh I thought I was seeing pretty good because you know I'm out there seeing my heart out and then and then we looked over I'm like oh that's my mic that you just turned down <laughs> so yes I sang I I'm assuming I wasn't good since he turned my mic down but <laughs> oh that is really funny yeah funny sad <laughs> but um 
So then I did all the sports. So it, my, like I said, school's super small. So they only, they only even have three sport options. So you do volleyball, basketball, and track, and that's it. That's all they have for you. So I did them all, um, volleyball and track. I loved, absolutely loved. And I really excelled at them. Basketball, I hated, um, but I was goodish. Like I'm a really good defender. <laughs> And that's why they liked me. You know, I was, I was one of those people It's like, Hey, I will get the ball for you. But after that, you do not pass me the ball like ever. And I remember like, we'd be in games and I'd be wide open, you know, right, like I could have made a shot, but, and, and the crowd would be like, give it to Michaela. And I'm like, don't give it to Michaela. <laughs> like, cause I could not make a shot to save my life. Like it didn't matter where I was. I could not make a shot. And my teammates, you know, grew to know that so they were pretty good at not giving me the ball like I'm, I'm really good at giving them the ball but don't like they knew not to let me handle it not to let me shoot it I'm like I will get it for you and then you do the rest <laughs> um but basketball was one of those that it was a lot more dramatic um like drama things with the girls that I just I didn't enjoy and I really really loved volleyball and track because I felt like it was more of a team environment like where the girls it wasn't very drama for for um for any of us like I, I just felt like it was more like hey we actually came together as a team in those sports where basketball I felt like kind of divided everybody and I just at that time in my life for for high school and stuff it just was not worth it you know yeah. to do it so so I always trained myself um basketball season I would stay after school and and weight lift and run and did my own programming to just be ready for track and be in good enough shape so when track season came I was actually one of the stronger athletes coming yes. in and so that's that's what I focused on and I um had a little sidekick that I that would come and I train him too just for funsies and <laughs> that's what I did during basketball season <laughs> I love that you call him your sidekick. <laughs> yeah, he's sidekick he was also my cousin so he he gets the sidekick name <laughs> I like it I like it was he older or younger he was younger. He's younger a couple years younger. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good deal. So I know you had mentioned before that you were known as the big girl, the tall girl. Um, how did that impact you in that time in your life? A lot, actually. So um, it was really, really hard for me because it just, you know, being, being the big girl is not fun and it does a lot to your psyche. Um, so definitely all through elementary, I was always the tallest in my class. And I, but like, when I say tallest, like I was a good head to two heads taller than all the other kids. Like I, I hit five, eight by about 12 and you know, all the other kids are still not even like close to that. And I would get mistaken a lot for a senior when I was in sixth grade. Like if we went out, people thought I was a senior in high school. Wow. just because I've matured so quickly. And that was really hard for me because, you know, my peers are tons smaller than me and, and they are intimidated, you know, like by me and we'd go out and we do recess stuff. And I could, like, I was always, you know, the first pick for some games because um, we played this game like called capture the flag, which was a favorite. And I don't know if you know that game, Yeah, but where like you can pull people across the line and they go into into jail and that was like my job when we were on the team because I was the biggest I could just grab them and pull and there they go you know um and then like we would have arm wrestling or the boys one time 
had arm wrestling um competitions and I was watching I was like oh can I try and they were like kind of looked at me like if you want and I ended up beating them all in arm wrestling (laughs) which I'm like it's like you know great but then after that it was like I was the beast you know like everyone was like oh like Michaela like she's huge she's you know like that and I ended up um I dated a boy when I was 12 that I gosh I'd had a crush on him for like all through elementary school like oh and I was a weird kid with a crush you know um and he and I ended up dating and and I found out later that he had only dated me as a dare (laughs) from his friends and then he was like I really don't want to date her and like and they're like we'll just break up with her she's like no she'll throw me through a wall like I can't break up with her and it was just like Oh, okay. You know, like when I found that out, I'm like, well, that, that's great. You know, <laughs> but that was my first experience of dating. And so I did not enjoy that experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, my, my dad loved the fact that I could beat up all the boys. He thought that was great. He thought it was the best thing in the whole world. And so that was also kind of hard. Cause I'm like, I don't want to beat up the boys, you know, like I don't, I don't want to have this ability, but he was one that he loved it when I played basketball because he's like, he, after the game, he's like, did you even notice that girl who just bounced off of you? You know, and I'm like, thanks, dad. You know? You're like, appreciate it. Right. So it's, it was, it was hard for me. Like, and it definitely um, messed with my like body image. Like I definitely had a lot of body image issues there. Cause I just always needed to be smaller and always, you know, like that was always like the, the focus was like, how can I get smaller? How can I get smaller? Like I would try really hard not to do anything physical because I don't want my muscles to get bigger. I don't want to be stronger. Um, and there were some times where it's like, I, I would just give up on things so I could be not strong. You know, it's like if the boys were doing something and like, yeah, like, could I have taken them? Sure. But it's like, but I was gonna week out because I, I wanted to be feminine. I wanted to be a girl. I wanted to be appreciated. And, and I really wasn't. And that that's definitely it's stuck with me my whole life. And it's been really hard to to break through for sure. Yeah. And how tall are you? So I'm five, eight. Oh, so you're still five, eight. Okay. Yep. Yep. Still five, eight. Good deal. I wasn't sure if you gained more after that. <laughs> no, I literally like stopped right in sixth grade. And then my whole class shot up. So I ended up when I graduated, I was almost the shortest in my class once oh. once everyone graduated. But definitely up until that point <laughs> was yeah. pretty tall. Yeah. My husband was the opposite. He graduated at like five five and then he gained like four or five inches after. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like super late bloomer. So kind of funny how that's like so different. Yep. <laughs> um, awesome. So how do you feel like the, the body image things and just the perspective of feeling like you were always taller and bigger? Um, do you think that, like, how did you overcome the desire to like not want to work out and not weight lift and not body build? And then now you lift weights every day, you know? So how did, how did that kind of transition? How did that unfold? That's a great question. Cause, um, it's honestly something like every day I'm battling, like, like just yesterday <laughs> I'm at the gym and I'm looking at myself and I'm like, okay, like maybe I, maybe I want to stop, you know, like maybe I don't, don't want to be big. Cause it is, it is very, 
it's a very hard thing for your, for my psyche. And I think for a lot of girls in, in kind of the similar situation, it is hard. Um, but one thing that helped me is noticing like, Hey, like, especially with the horses and honestly, horses help me through everything, mm-hmm. but realizing like, Hey, I'm 12. I can lift up my saddle, saddle my 16 hand horse by myself. I can saddle and tie it enough that no one has to come check it. I, you know, like I can do my own feed. I can buck my own bales. I can feed my own horse. And, um, and just really like realizing like how capable I was that there was a lot of girls, you know, in my class who were a lot smaller than me who couldn't do those things. You know, like if, like if they wanted to go ride by themselves, they couldn't because someone had to saddle their horse for him. And even if, you know, cause they couldn't lift it. And even if they could, they weren't tall enough to flip it up on the back anyways. And that was something I just, you know, really appreciated and really leaned into like being like, Hey, like I am just really happy that I am capable, that I can do these things that, that a lot of other girls can't. And, um, I just, yeah, like really leaned into that. And that definitely came up too. There was a point in my life, um, where I did lean on my dad quite a bit for some of this stuff. And there came a point in, in our life where he, he couldn't, um, help at all. And so me being able to be functional and able to do these things was a really important part of, of my life in high school. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So the next thing that's coming up here for me is what happened towards the end of your high school into college, um, which I feel like you were saying there are a few points in your life that are those big like milestones or turning points. I feel like this is probably another pretty big one for you. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about what happened there with your medical incident? Oh, yes. So I'm like, which medical incident? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the big one? Or the no? big one. No, this is, um, there's so, more. <laughs> which one? Yes. Okay. I have well, really <laughs> uh, let's, let's put it this way. Like in high school, I was in and out of hospitals a lot. <laughs> um, but so the end of high school, well, not even the end, I would say about my sophomore and a sophomore beginning of junior year of high school I started getting really really sick um just my body wasn't taking in nutrients it wasn't digesting things properly I would have points like in a game where I would have like out-of-body experiences where just like my my body would go on you know, automation. And I would just like kind of be on the outside of my body, just watching it play volleyball, you know, like it was very weird. Um, but I like zero energy where I just kind of like blank out and, um, almost have like tunnel vision sometimes playing games where it's like, I, I can't see, I couldn't, I, you know, like I just, things weren't functioning properly. It was, it was pretty, pretty scary. Um, and I just ended up with a lot of pain too. And specifically just in my abdomen, just lots and lots and lots of pain where, I mean, I, I would eat certain things and it would drop me just to the ground in the fetal position. I, you know, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't take it. And different like games or races, like after, at the end of a race, I'd have to crawl off the track because I was in so much pain and we'd go to hospitals and 
you know, tell them what's going on and run all the tests and not like all of the blood tests, all of any tests that they took came back. Everything's fine. So they just pat me on the head and be like, oh, well, you're just a girl who can't handle cramps. Like go home, you know, like, sorry, sucks for you. Right. So, um, there was one particular time where I just, I was done. I, I woke up about two 30 in the morning and I just went to my parents' room and just, I mean, sweats, fever, like, I'm like, you got to take me to the hospital now. And I'm crawling to the front door. And I just, you know, like, I'm, I'm in so much pain. And we were, my parents were pretty worried that maybe I had burst my appendix or something with how much pain I was in. I mean, like, and it was like, I was screaming, I was in so much pain. And I'm not somebody like, just to put it in perspective. (laughs) Um, I like when I was like, 13 I had stepped on a board with a big like quarter inch nail sticking up through the top and it went all the way through my foot and it was just like so if if it tells you where my pain tolerance is like I just kind of was like ah and I pulled that out of my foot walked up to the house washed my foot and my parents are like following this blood trail they're like are you okay I'm like I'm like I'm like yeah so that nail went all the way through my foot like I think we probably have to take me to the doctor you know but that like like it was just like yeah you know like I just if that tells you kind of where my pain tolerance was for how much pain I was in for this experience and why my parents were like what the heck um like very high pain tolerance so Anyways, we drive to the hospital, and one thing about being in a small town that is a very big con is the hospital's two hours away. So we're driving two hours in the middle of a blizzard because we also get a lot of snow here, and we're having to stop for herds of elk running across the road in the middle of the night and, like, all the things that I'm just, like, I just am, like, like, honestly, at that point, like, I just whatever. I just, I'll just die. Like, it's fine. Like, I just don't even care right now. Like I was just in so much pain and we get to the hospital and it was just very much like we get there and I am like, please just like do anything. I do not care. Like at that point you can do anything to me, just make the pain stop. Right. Mm -hmm. And they were very just like, kind of like, Oh, okay. Like, like another girl is kind of the attitude. And, and I was like, well, you know, like this is what's going on. And my mom's like, I'm pretty sure appendix burst or something. And they take me in, run the test. Like, well, nothing's wrong. They took and did an x-ray and they're like, yep, nothing's wrong. It's like, so, uh, do you have tests coming up in school soon? I'm like, well, yeah, like we always have tests coming up. Right. And they're like, yeah, they're like, well, you're like the, the third girl we've had in for stuff like this, you're just stressed and probably a little constipated, go home and take some Miralax. And, and that, that was it, you know, like, it was like, (laughs) wow, okay. I'm like, I'm literally in the worst pain of my entire life. And that's it. So that experience specifically was just when I'm like, okay, well, I'm done. Like, if no one's going to listen to me, you know, and, and coming from a person like, like I've said in the other stories where I'm just like, I don't ask for help. I, I'm not a person who's going to admit weakness. So for me to even go to the hospital is a pretty big step. And for me asking for help, right. And to get that kind of a response was really hard for me and was just like, well, fine. Like there's just no point, right. There's no point in asking because no one's going to be there. Um, so that happened my junior year that that particular incident happened in my junior year so I just you know finished out school and we went back and forth to all sorts of different doctors um 
like went to some like holistic doctors we went to normal doctors and ended up like doing quite a bit of things with my diet because definitely noticed like with certain foods the pain would intensify for sure so we did um, I did an elimination diet through my junior year which was awful please don't ever do that if you don't have to it's like I lost like probably 25 pounds and just was sick just sick 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 you know and I'm also in all these sports and doing all these things and eating nothing you know so it's like yeah. I was constantly putting things in my mouth that like anything that I could digest was was I was taking snacks into all my classes and you know just constantly eating um but it was like you know peas I was just eating peas all day long you know and and so just <laughs> things that like it just was very hard on my body um yeah. I found out like there was definitely some intolerances and that those intolerances have stuck with me so like definitely gluten and dairy is a no-go for me um I'm also very allergic to onions and, you know, things like that just really give me like, just make me very, very sick. So I found that out and that definitely did help manage things for a little while. Um, but, you know, never really, never really figured it out until college, um, my first year of college, um, going to classes, doing all the things. And I had a, I had a job, um, jumping into college I worked for the custodial people and like cleaned um cleaned the chemistry building up at Utah State and so that was a job that like required me I I had to be there at like 3 30 in the morning and then I'd work from there till seven and then classes from like seven till like three or four that afternoon and that was a really poor choice on my hand like <laughs> um one because I'm not a morning person Camry can attest like I just am not a morning person <laughs> I'm like yeah the last person who wants to get up in the morning um but also I, I put a lot of expectations on myself like I had saved up enough money from my summer jobs and and uh doing 4-H and selling animals and things that I didn't need a job but I, I had always had that like well I need to be a hard worker. So I need a job and I, I can handle a job in school. And, and that was just something that really, I mean, just eventually really caught up to me, like the exhaustion plus the sickness. Cause I was still in a lot of pain, still wasn't sure what was going on and just, yeah, couldn't, couldn't figure it out. And about midterms, I think it was, um, yeah, because I was prepping for a biology midterm <laughs> and I, I was in a lot of pain and like, like so much pain I'm throwing up between study sessions and just, you know, hot sweats and fever and just, I'm in a lot of pain and I'm calling my mom and I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I, I feel sick, but like, obviously like, I think in my head too, because no one was listening to me, I had turned it into like, well, Michaela, you like, there's nothing wrong with you. This is all in your head and you just need to toughen up is kind of what I would tell myself. Right. Because it's like, well, they can't find anything wrong. So obviously it's just me. Mm -hmm. Um, and she had begged me to go to the hospital <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like, no, doing that again. yeah. Like they're just, they're not going to listen to me, but finally she talked me into going to like the student health center. So I went there, um, and was studying like in the, in the waiting room and they pulled me back and she's like, like the lady was like, oh my gosh, we got to take your appendix out now. Like it's definitely appendicitis. And I was like, okay, like whatever, <laughs> you know, take it out. And, but like, but then they ran the test and she's like, no, everything's coming back clean. It's not that she's like, I don't know what to do with, for you. I'm really sorry. Like go home, take some ibuprofen. And I'm like, 
you know, so it was just like another one of those, like, well, see, like <laughs> I shouldn't have gone. There's like, nothing wrong. Yeah. So went home and again, just like, just in so much pain. And I woke up in the middle of the night and this just happens. I was 2.30 in the morning, woke up and just horrible pain. Bed is all wet from the sweat. Like I just, you know, crawled out of my bed, went into the living room. So I didn't wake up my roommate. And I just remember laying there and just being like, okay, doing a little prayer and being like, all right, if you want me to go to the hospital, I'll go. But, but you like, you need to tell me to go. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember like this thought in my head popped up and it was like, well, you stupid girl, what do you think your body's telling you? You know? And I'm like, <laughs> well, okay then. You know? so, I, so I hopped up and woke my roommate up. I was like, can you take me to the hospital and bless her heart? Like I had the best roommates in college. Um, so she drove me three o'clock in the morning to the hospital. And it was pretty funny because we're driving and, and it's just silent. And, you know, I'm just like, yeah, just like, just need to go. I'm not feeling very good, you know? And, and she's driving me and she's like, you know, I always thought that if I ever had to do an, like a rush to the emergency room, that it would be a lot more intense than this. <laughs> As you said, you would like breathe through your pain. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, cause like at that point, like the hospital, cause we were in Logan, like the hospital was like a block away. I'm like, yeah, you don't have to drive me two hours to the hospital, <laughs> you know, like it'll be fine. But anyway so in that um they ended up doing a lot more tests like thank goodness for these doctors because I I'm pretty sure I probably would have died within like the next month if they hadn't been as thorough as they were in this um in this particular hospital so I'm very grateful for them but they they did um they ran through all the tests and they like it was the first time that I felt like that people were listening to me like they were like hey we're not sure what's going on but don't worry. Like, we're going to keep you here till we figure this out. And I was just like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like, just, just to have somebody say that, like, mm-hmm. like we're going to listen and, and we're going to figure this out with you. You know, it was just like, okay. You like, all right, you do whatever you want, you know, <laughs> and, and so you. home with ibuprofen. <laughs> exactly. Pat me on the head and tell me I'm just a stupid girl. You know, it was just like, it was just so nice. And so like, wow. Like I just, it was amazing to finally have somebody like feel like they were listening to me, you know? So anyways, they, they run their tests and they end up finding a really big tumor, um, that had created multiple torsions. And that's where a lot of the pain was coming from. And the tumor was about the size of a football. So about yay big. Um, and yeah, so they luckily like did a bunch of tests and took it out. It was benign. Thank goodness. Um, sewed me back up and I'm here but from that I did have to drop out of college the rest of that first semester and then when I came back had to redo all my classes and things um and go home and recover because it was a pretty pretty big deal pretty big recovery (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so does it still I mean other than like you're saying how those um intolerances still affect you do you still feel any other like physical effects from it or have you been healthy since then or as far as um, those same symptoms Mm -hmm. um for the most part not not so much um the biggest thing because it was so the tumor was on my fallopian tubes and so it had um done three torsions and killed off one of my ovaries and ever since then like my periods have been a little bit harsher 
Um, like I definitely, and I don't know why, like, I don't know if there's any scientific reason to it, um, but like, definitely those are a lot heavier um, and a lot more painful. And I get a lot of like, once in a while, I'll end up with some ghost pains where like, it'll stab through that side. Um, but other than that, not so much, like, at least right now, like I've done a lot of work to really rebuild my muscles and, and get back to that. Like it, it was a very, very hard thing for me to recover from just because I went from being like the strongest person, you know, and that that's always been my identity. I am strong. I am the strong person and getting all of your, your core muscles cut in half does a lot <laughs> to you. And it was like, you know, I went from being like the strongest person ever to like, I couldn't lift like a two by four above my head to put on top of my truck. You know, it was just like, it was, it was something that was very hard for me to, to, to kind of recover from in that way, just on the mental side. But for the most part, like, yeah, there's really nothing from it now. Um, but I have done a lot of work to rebuild all of it. Yeah. It's just crazy to me that like, that's years. I mean, you were saying in your junior year and then you're in college and it's still a thing. So, uh, what would you, what advice would you have for someone else going through a similar situation of some sort of physical something where they're just always getting told, Oh no, you're not, you know, the, you're, you're not actually hurting. You're just Mm -hmm. like, buck up, come on, you're fine. Uh, what advice would you have for someone in a similar situation? Yeah. So I think to kind of like preface that, and then I'm going to go into what I would say, but I think as women, this happens a lot and with everything. Right. So there are times too, I'll, I'll do the same thing where it's like a girl's complaining of cramps and I'm like, Oh, really? Like, come on, (laughs) you know, but it's like, we do this to each other and we do this to ourselves. And I think like the first step is in yourself just start taking other people seriously as well. And that, that's something that I really learned from this experience too. And like, sometimes I still catch myself and being like, oh, come on. Like, it's not really that bad. Uh, But it's like, but actually like, you know, we don't know exactly what they're feeling and, and, and what exactly is going on. And I always lean on the side of like, Hey, like let's believe that it is almost worse than what the person is saying, you know? Cause it's like my poor parents, like they'll listen to me tell this story. And like I said, I am a good hider. And with what was going on in my family there, I was not about to let them know how bad it really was. And so like, they, they didn't know quite to the extent of the pain that I was in because I would hide it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think just from somebody on the outside is just, Hey, like take, take a second and just realize like, if anyone comes to you, like, it's probably not easy for them to admit that they're in pain. Like we're, we're all like, you know, especially in the horse world, I feel like we're all women who are tough. We're like, you know, we're going to take it. We're going to take it by the reins and we're just going to deal with it. So it's like someone in our circles, especially if they could, if they're coming to us with like, Hey, this is going on, or this is, this is hard. I would assume that it's probably harder than what they're telling us, you know, because we are women who are just tough. We got to be tough, right? Like, especially in this world of horses, we have to be tough. Um, So I think that would be like the first thing is just on the outside looking in is, hey, like take, take people seriously and, and assume, always assume that is probably a little bit worse than what they're saying and, and be that support system for them. Yeah. Um, That's a great perspective. Yeah. But then on the other side, (laughs) if you have the person in pain, trust yourself, like your body 
knows when something is wrong. And pain is a signal that your body is giving you that, hey, something's wrong and we need to take care of it. It is not something to be ignored. It is something that your body is trying to communicate with you. And when we ignore it, we start to shut down the communication systems that our body's telling us. So take your body seriously. And even if no one else is listening, keep searching, like keep finding somebody, keep searching for somebody who is going to listen and just, just keep going. Because seriously, like if my tumor had burst, I would have died. And it was probably getting close to that point where by the time we went to that, to that particular hospital, I I probably could have died if they had not taken that out when they did. And so it's just something to really like, Hey, listen to your body. And, and for me, it, it was hard for me to listen to my body. Right. Cause like one, I want to be tough, but two, everyone was telling me like, Oh, you're fine. And so I just learned to be like, okay, body, like you're just stupid. Like I, I remember being like so frustrated with a stupid body that wasn't letting me perform at my best because it kept shooting pain through me. Right. But it was like, but no, my body was just trying to protect me and was trying to tell me that something was wrong yeah. and was trying, was, was trying to get attention. You know, that's yeah. my body needed attention and I wasn't listening to it because I was, I was too worried about what other people were thinking of me. So definitely just listen, listen to yourself, listen to your body. Yeah. Well, and I think a big thing too is, which is, uh, I think essentially what you're saying is advocate for yourself uh, because my husband got diagnosed with, um, well, he found out he had hypothyroidism when he was 30, but he didn't get diagnosed with Hashimoto's until he was 33. Wow. And it was one blood test mm-hmm. that they could have run. And, but they get, they kept just telling them, oh, your labs are normal. Your labs are normal. And then he would be like, but I still feel like crap. Like I can't, I have brain fog. I can't function. I'm so tired. I'm exhausted five minutes after I wake up. Like, and they just kept saying the labs are normal. The labs are normal, but it's crazy to me how doctors will listen to a lab result more than they will say, okay, my client is still in pain. Mm -hmm. You know, so you need to advocate for yourself in that way and say, I don't care what your labs say. And if, if that doctor won't help you, go find one that will. Because like you said, your body is trying to communicate with you. And yep. if you don't listen, it's going to probably get louder and louder <laughs> Yep. <laughs> to get you to listen because you're not listening. So yeah, well, it's like going along with that. It's like all anyone needed to do was do an ultrasound. Just yeah. just the ultrasound is all they needed to figure out what was in there. Right. Yeah. And it's like I spent years getting probably seven vials of blood drawn every month to run different tests and things. And all they needed to do was do one ultrasound and and figure it out. And it's like that, all they needed to do for him was one blood test. But if he hadn't kept pursuing that, he'd still feel like crap now, you know, and, and maybe even have some other lingering (laughs) issues from that. So yes, advocate for yourself. 100%. Kind of moving on from this into you as a professional now, um, what was it like going from with me, you know, I went from never even in the horse industry, um, <laughs> to jumping into horses after, you know, kind of the end and after high school, but with you, you went from more of a horse owner, a horse enthusiast, and then became a professional in that industry. So what was that transition like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, hmm. So 
I started training horses when I was 16, started working for a barn and working with colts and um, training colts at 16. And kind of at that point was that point of like, wow, I could do this. Like horses, the thing that like makes me want to breathe and live and, and thrive could become like what I just do. Right. (laughs) So, so I don't know, like it just, it was very natural for me. I mean, as far as like deciding that that's what I want to do. Um, but going into it, so it's like going to Utah State and, and jumping into the equine science and management major. I did get a lot of backlash, like from, from some family members. I mean, my parents were like, okay, like if that's what you want to do. I mean, but there, there was that like hesitation of like, okay, but there's like, you know, no money. Like, what are you going to do? You know? And, and my, my extended family, especially were like, well, why the heck would you want to do that? Like, <laughs> like there's no money in horses and, and you could do this or you could do that. Like, I just, there's a lot of voices in my life, um, especially in a small town too. There's a lot of people who think that they get to have a say in what you do in your life. So that it was, it, so just kind of fighting through that, especially because I am a person, like a people pleaser person, like hundred percent, like I want to please everybody. And so it was really hard and anxiety inducing for me to kind of fight through some of those comments and, and those opinions and, and do it. But I would say that's the hardest part for me. Cause like once I was in it and thriving in it, it just, it was just so natural, you know, like it's just, yeah. I love it. And I loved every aspect of it. I loved, like, I loved doing the ranching work. I loved doing the English work. I loved doing, like, the lessons. I loved doing the therapy. Like, every aspect of anything that I tried, I just, I loved. And I still do. Like, I, it's just, it's just me, you know? It's just, it's just what I want and what I, what I love and what I thrive in. And I'm definitely someone who likes to bring that to other people too. Like, and that's, that's one of my biggest drives, I think, for the horse industry is to take people like, like you and me who like kids, like, like you and me who want that opportunity, but don't know how to get there and don't know where to turn. And that's, you know, one of the biggest reasons I started my riding lesson program was to provide it for people like, like us, you know, who, who needed that and needed a a place that's not going to yell at them and not going to tear their confidence down, but, but build it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think that's why you're such a great coach is you, you want people to feel the joy in it. It's not just, you need to have your heels down and you have to get this score and you have to get this ribbon. It's you want to create that joy and that relaxation, that balance, that fun. Um, you want to create that for your students, um, whether it's, you know, your horse students, your riding lesson students, or now your, um, your fitness and health students. So that's awesome. Tell me a little bit, because I'm so intrigued about your trick riding experience through this journey. Cause you, was that after college? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that was a few years after college. That was actually the year before I met my husband. So kind of thing. I can't even remember how old I was. <laughs> um, so yes, trick riding. So fun. So I, my, a lot of my experiences with horses have always been a healing, like it's always been a healing journey for me. Um, I've had a lot of traumatic experiences in my life and I have dealt a lot with PTSD and, and trying to, to fight through those symptoms. And after I left college, um, I just, I hit that point in my life where I could care less if I lived or died. 
like like I wasn't suicidal or anything like that but if I died I just didn't care you know like so I was willing to do a lot of things and put myself in a lot of situations just because I could you know and it, and I just had that attitude of like well if I'm gonna die at least I'm gonna die doing something I enjoy like and that's just that was my attitude so I took a lot of horses and I mean at that time I had a lot of horses at my disposal because um I was working at at a school where we had 25 horses there and then I also um was at my grandpa's ranch where there was a bunch of horses there for me to be able to I could literally ride every hour of every day and I did a lot of stupid stuff (laughs) for just because I could you know because I hit that point where I literally had no fear zero fear I just I did not care and (laughs) so with that it's like I almost hit like that adrenaline junkie like (laughs) you know so I started learning vaulting and I really enjoyed that I loved the fluidity of being on the horse and doing different things that was a little bit thrilling right and then I was like oh my gosh trick riding like talk about a thrill right talk about a rush like oh gosh I gotta try this so when I am a person it's like okay when I decide to do something I'm just gonna go for it like I don't I don't sit on it like at all so it's like I, I do I do I am like okay, this is what I'm doing. Okay. I'm going to do it. So it's like, I did vaulting for a little bit. I learned how to coach vaulting and then was taking some lessons. So I'm not, I'm not a great vaulter myself. I'm a pretty good coach at it. And I love it. Love, love vaulting. It's probably one of my favorite things to coach, but I, you know, I wanted a little bit more and I'm not a, like a fluid dancer, right? Like I've never been like, I've never had that, uh, talent <laughs> like <laughs> like I'm just I'm not good at finding the beat of songs or anything I, I enjoy dancing but like I wouldn't say I'm good at it and for vaulting you know to really be good at it you kind of have to have that natural ability to be able to like choreograph and, and move through things in a fluid manner where trick riding it was like doom stunt back on the horse stunt back on the horse and I'm like I can do that like I know I've got the strength <laughs> for that I can hold something like I'm gonna do that so I got on the internet and searched, okay, trick riding places. And I found quite a few places, but I found this place in Texas and they, they were ones that very outwardly um, said that they, they take interns. So got on the phone, called them. And like within like a month, I was packing up all my stuff, sold a bunch of stuff, like, oh, had to sell my dog, which was awful, awful, but <laughs> sold my dog, <laughs> packed up my car and drove myself to Texas. And it's an experience that I like, I wouldn't trade for anything. Like it taught me a lot. Um, and it, it was really good. Like just, just a, a new thing to learn, a new style to learn. And I learned a lot about myself too. Cause at that point I was all into being like, fine, I'm going to be an entertainer. I'm going to travel everywhere. I'm going to have like, like I already had some horses picked out that I was going to buy hopefully and, and train up for my trick riding stuff and do like Liberty and, and really be an entertainer. I was pretty caught up in that and being like, okay, this is, this is my calling. Like I'm going to do this and yeah. And practicing it and everything. Like I loved it. Um, I loved doing the tricks. I loved the rush. I loved, like I got to do Roman riding and that's one that I'm like, oh my gosh, like I will still do that one eventually when I that's have the right horses in the time. <laughs> right. Oh, it's, it was like the best thing. And, but with the trick riding, my body for some reason just did not recover very well from doing the specific trick riding tricks. Um, 
So there's like quite a few tricks where you wrap yourself up in your fender and you lock yourself in in the fender and you, um, you know, flip yourself over backwards or you do whatever. But you just don't think about what that does to your leg <laughs> when you have it in there and you're bouncing on this galloping horse and it's locked in between, you know, this, this leather strap. So I had, I mean, and one of these days, can't remind me, I'll send you pictures of how my leg looked like they were literally black from the hip all the way down to my toes just all the time just so bruised and a lot of the other girls there I was like okay guys like I can't like it hurts you know and I had some hematomas and like things where I was like okay like how do you guys do this? And they would just, you know, we're like, well, well, you'll just get used to it, like kind of build up calluses and things. I'm like, okay, all right. So a couple months go by and I'm like, I am still bruised to heck. Like <laughs> I can't do it. And like one of the the gals who was kind of helping instruct the, in, um, the interns was just looking at my legs and going, girl, like, I don't know why you're, you're so bruised, but my body just was not recovering very well from that. And then, um, with with trick riding you have what's called like vaulting in trick riding and that's where the horse is running you jump off the horse you swing yourself back up and you do a trick get back on the saddle or just swing yourself back into the saddle you can do flips and things into that that's what vaulting is in trick riding and so with me being a bigger girl um that's more of like what I kind of had to do or focus most of my time on because the size that I was, it's just harder on the horse's backs and things if they're like, cause most of them are just quarter horses or they have, they bred uh, what's called the Texas white horse. I'm not sure exactly what breed that is, but that's what they had kind of a quarter horse build. Um, so if, if I wasn't practicing on like one, a draft cross, I really, you know, could only do maybe two strap tricks before it was like, Hey, you're done doing strap tricks on this horse. Just cause most of the girls who do trick riding, they're like your size, you know, 115 pounds <laughs> and I am not that small. So, um, so vaulting is where I had to do a lot of my practicing and that's where like, Hey, like if, if I was going to excel at trick riding, it needed to be more on the vaulting end, even though the strap tricks are the funner, in my opinion, the funner things. Um, but doing that, my tailbone just, it would hurt all the time. Like there's just that repetitive motion. And I mean, you're not exactly like, it's really hard to be very soft when your horse is galloping full speed and you're jumping onto the ground and you're coming up and you're slamming back onto the saddle. It's very hard to just lower yourself gracefully, you know, like when you like in vaulting, you can't really do that. But that was something that's like, Oh, like my tailbone is killing me. And I'm just like, okay, like, what do you guys, you know, like, does, is this normal? They're like, oh yeah, like again, you'll callous out of it. Like it'll be fine. And I never did. <laughs> and that was something like, it just painful. Like, oh, it was so painful every single time we did tricks and it got to where I couldn't sit at all. Uh, like I'd have to have like a little neck pillow, you know, with the holes. And I would uh-huh. put that on all my seats and sit on that. Cause it was just so, so painful. Uh-huh. Um, which when I got home, I had some x-rays done and it, I had actually taken my tailbone and bent it. So if you feel my tailbone, it's almost like at a 90 degree angle. (laughs) Um, So my body just did not enjoy trick riding. (laughs) It was, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So my body was like, was just not handling it well. Um, And as much as I loved like the adrenaline rush and and that idea, it, it definitely came to that point of like, okay, like this, I can't, 
maintain this. Like this just isn't, isn't going to be maintainable for me. Um, so came back, uh, moved back to Utah. I was living in Utah beforehand and just decided, okay, vaulting is going to be more of my focus because mm -hmm. I really still love that. And I love the freedom, but vaulting doesn't hurt me. It's in a lot more controlled, um, situation. So like getting really injured in vaulting is pretty, like pretty hard unless you have a really bad fall. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's much more controlled. And, and I was getting to that point where, where my like, oh, who cares if I die part of myself was starting to kind of tone down a little bit, you know, and I was like, okay, well, maybe I don't want to die. <laughs> maybe I'll try this. So that was kind of it. Is there anything specifically you wanted to know about that experience or is that kind of cover it? That just, it's just exciting. There's not very many people that have tried trick riding, you know, like I've, uh -huh. I've never met another person that's done trick riding. So it's just very, it's always been something that I kind of always, I guess, wanted to try and never really did. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, just tell me all the things uh -huh. about trick riding. It is fun. Um, it is one of those, like, you should try it out. But I am very like, I'm a very safety conscious person. So please try it out with a horse that has been trained and with the correct saddle. Like, don't just well, do it on your random Western saddle, please. Well, you know how safety conscious and everything that I am, I'm not going to do anything that I'm like, I could maybe die right. <laughs> or maybe get hurt. I'm not going to do it. So. Okay. So we are running a little long. So I have like a thousand questions I want to ask, but we will leave those for later. Um, so I guess, tell me about how you transitioned into uh, who you are professionally now as being a coach, because um, I guess I should preface that by saying you did work for me, obviously, mm -hmm. which is how we kind of met. Um, so we, I was coaching you with ranch riding and then um, hired you to cult start with me. Um, you just have a great energy a great way of being around horses working with horses um you read horses very very well um but for the sake of time we can go into that in more detail in later episodes but um I guess I'd want to kind of know how you transitioned from full-time like 100% horse to horse and rider together and being that more of a rider and fitness coach yeah, great question. So fitness and nutrition and horses are my two passions. And they have been since since I was super sick in high school because I really dove into nutrition, really figured that out. When I was training myself for track, like I just I've always loved being fit. I've I just I like it, you know. Um and with the horses and with riding lessons, training, anything, just noticing it's like, hey you really do need to be healthy and strong yourself. If you want to excel in your writing skills, if you want to be the best cult starter ever, you need to have a base of fitness and health for yourself and strength for yourself. Because if you don't, you know, like you can only, you can only ride so many horses a day if you don't take care of yourself. Um, and that was something too, even just with my student, like even my little kids riding wise, it was like, Hey, like we really need to work on, on basic strength skills and basic balance skills before they can excel, before they can move on in any area of their writing skills, you know? Um, and so I've always had that, like, oh, I just, I want to pair the two. How can I pair the two? And like, yeah. since, since I've started in 
it, like in, in the horse industry as a professional, that's always been my focus is, okay, how can I eventually pair these two things together? How can I figure out how to pair these two things together? So I kind of started with the vaulting because I'm like, man, the vaulting, it's like perfect for me because it, it really does pair fitness and horse riding, like in a literal sense, yeah, you know, where you, you do have to yes exactly exactly where it's like you do have to come in and you really do have to physically prep yourself for this sport um so I kind of started with that because I was like man this is like this is perfect but then trick riding um I actually one of the interns um that I was with so there was I was there a little bit longer than most interns um so I I went through a couple of interns while I was there too because I just stayed and, and worked for the for the ranch um as well so one intern that came, she actually did fitness modeling and I was just like, oh my gosh, like you got to tell me all the things. Like, I just think that's so cool. Um, and so she really, she and I just got really, really close, really, really fast. And we're still really good friends. Um, and she started to teach me a little bit more about like, Hey, like you can shape your body the way that you want to shape your body through strength training, through, through lifting weights. And I'd never looked at lifting weights that way. You know, I'd always looked at it like, like, especially when I was younger, it's kind of like a fearful thing. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't want to get big. Right. Like, I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to look like a man. <laughs> and, and she really taught me like how I can like look and be like, Oh wow. But I could shape myself. Like I can change the way I look just by how I program my lifting. And that was just like, new for me and really cool. And so we started lifting on a consistent basis while we were in Texas and just kind of getting into that and really getting excited about that. That's really what spurred me on to being like, okay, no, I'm, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to get my personal training certification. I'm going to get my specialist in nutrition certification. I'm, you know, I'm going to go that way. So coming back, that's kind of when I, when I got all of that and, and just really looked at my, my writing lesson program in that way as well, where it's like, Hey, I want to make sure that as I'm getting this training or, you know, while or after that I, I am looking at it for a point of how can I help benefit the girls in my program specifically yeah. through, through what I learned, because I am very passionate about women, like, you yeah. know, and, and, and their journeys and, and things. And I'm very passionate about teaching women that, Hey, strength is power, you know, strength is power and the stronger you can get the more functional you'll be where you do not have to rely on anybody else because in your own strength you can do whatever you want and that's the biggest most important thing for me and it's like if I hadn't had the strength that I've had growing up I wouldn't have been able to do the things that I've been able to do and and to excel in the areas that I've been able to excel so jumping into kind of like working with you and, and having the writing lesson program and everything. So that, <laughs> cause where I lived and you know, this so it's kind of weird to explain it to just you, but I know nobody else does. Um, <laughs> so my writing lesson program, the way that it worked was I was able to lease about 14, 15 horses at my grandpa's ranch in Provo. And I had four of my own horses, but I lived about two hours away from Provo. So every week I would trailer my horses up and camp out at the ranch and teach as many lessons as I could jam in in three days. And then I would drive back and on my days when I was here, I'd go and work with Camry. 
and do the cult starting and on the side have a couple of lessons there too. And that just got to where it was wearing me out really, really quickly. Um, very tired. I mean, I would go the weekends, like I would fit about 35 lessons in, in those three days. So it was like 14 hour days. I, I would go about I would, well, I, so I track my steps. I'd get about 40 to 50,000 steps a day, those three days. (laughs) So like come home, I was just trashed. I was tired. Um, and then I ended up getting in a couple of like little mini wrecks that really scared me, um, that last year going up to Provo and a couple of situations with some friends too, where they got really injured in some horse accidents that same year as well, that really, just kind of, I don't know, like my nervous system was just at, at a point where it was just, I, I was doing too much and I wasn't listening to my body. Um, so those experiences on top of that, just, you know, it was that point where it was telling me like, Hey, this is, this is no longer safe for me to be able to travel up and do these lesson programs. So step back in that and then shifted more to working with you. And, and then focusing on like, Hey, can I get more writing lesson clients down here? What can I do? And then at that same time, my husband, um, is working towards his master's degree and trying to figure out that. And we were doing it online through this other university and it was just super expensive. So we were looking at other schools of like, okay, where could we live? Like we looked, okay, maybe we could move by Camry. Cause there was like, there was like two acres for sale, like literally next door to you. But I was like, we could buy this babe. Like this will work. <laughs> and, um, and we looked like maybe a little bit further South, like, okay, could he go to Cedar city and we could live in Richfield or, you know, anything. And the best, the best solution for us was for him to come to Idaho. Um, so packed up and, and moved to Idaho and doing that is just, well, you lose all when, when you have a horse business, it it is based on the clientele that you have and the horses you have available. So picking up and leaving, I left all of my clientele that I have, like, I spent, gosh, the best part of 10 years almost building and all the horses that I had available for my lesson program had to leave them all behind. Um, we, we transitioned down to two horses instead of four and, it was just kind of that natural point where it's like, okay, like I, I really do need to switch. I need to make a switch because one, my body can't handle this anymore. My nervous system is shot. Being able to handle that amount of workload with the horses and with the accidents that had happened in the last year was just like, I needed that time to kind of, kind of break from that and to allow my nervous system to come back to baseline because my nervous system really was, was shot. Um, well, and the type of horse training that you were doing with me, it was not, um, mentally <laughs> easy. It's very mentally, you have to be very mentally present. So <laughs> sure yes. added to exhaustion there. Yes. No, hundred percent. It was one thing I will say, like, it was interesting going from riding lessons because I am, uh, like, and I'm, I can pretty confidently say this, like one of the most safe riding lesson instructors you can find anywhere. Like I will never put any of my kids or my clients in a situation that I don't think they can handle. And I am very, very, very cautious about that. So the way, but when you work with horses, there's so many things that can go wrong. And the only way that I can make this work and make sure that I kept everyone as safe as possible was by thinking 20 steps ahead. And in that 20 steps ahead, it was like, okay, this could go wrong. This could go wrong. This could go wrong. Okay. How can I prevent this? How can I prevent that? 
And then going from that to like, okay, the next day I'm going to go train with you. And it's like, I've got to like, so I would think, oh gosh, okay, this horse could do this. And then that, like, you know, like it's like my, so I had to like try to calm my brain down. <laughs> like, and it was like, it was like mental gymnastics almost like going from the two. Cause it was like, I went from a space where it's like, it was actually really good that I thought 50 steps ahead to a space where it's like, I need to not do that because then I'm going like, I, I just, it's too much for the horse. Right. Yeah. So, so it just, it was interesting, but anyways, <laughs> tangent. <laughs> um, but coming back, it just, I did need to step into a space where, um, where I could work while my husband goes to school and really build my, um, my knowledge and my, ability in the training and nutrition aspect. Like I was already coaching people on the side as well, along with all the horse stuff, but I really wanted to dive in and learn more. Like, okay, how can I really look at somebody and be like, okay, here's your riding. Now here's what we can do outside of the saddle to really help you excel in the saddle. And there's so much too, that goes into it mentally when you work with fitness and nutrition and horse riding that I love to work with, right? Like that confidence, that, that ability to, to just feel good about yourself helps your writing so much as well. Um, so kind of just a natural shift, I guess, into just doing more of the health and fitness full-time. And I'm like, I'm still in that space where I'm like, like, I feel like it's more and more what I want as far as balancing it out. Um, but there are definitely other things that I'm like, okay, I, I want to bring this in or I want to bring that in and I will eventually get there. Um, but it takes a long time. And like, you know, to build a business, it's hard. And when you spend that much time building a clientele based business and it is dependent on where your location is, it is so hard to leave that location and then rebuild it again. And it, so it's just, it's going to be a few years before I can do a lot of the things that I'm really hoping to do. But with this platform that I'm like, cause I train all online, um, it's helped me be able to, to bring in a lot more people and to help a lot more people. Um, yeah. even, even with the small town that I'm living in, like, I'm not, um, I'm not dependent on just the people here. I can help anybody that I want. And I love that. And I've been able to help people all over the place. And it's, it's been really empowering that way. That's awesome. Well, and I think especially this day and age after COVID and everything, so many people want something that's online because, you know, for me, you know, where you live in a rural area and you have to drive at least 15 minutes, if not 30 to the nearest gym. Um, it's so hard to like take that extra, that's an extra hour out of your day, just traveling. Um, so having someone that's online that can, you can chat live with, that you can check in with every week, that you can do all those things with. Um, that will take into consideration your passion, your writing, you know, your horse, and be able to just tie it all together, I think is so unique. I think you've got a really, really awesome, you know, niche here uh, <laughs> that is going to be super helpful for all us women who love to ride and love our horses. So. Yes, well, thank you. I'm excited about it. <laughs> awesome. So where can we find you? What's your, uh, give us all of the details. Yes. So best place to find me at the moment is through Facebook or Instagram. Instagram, it's at Michaela underscore Lyman, L-Y-M-A-N. Um, Facebook, it's Michaela Meekum Lyman, um, which 
we'll just link to the end of these because I don't want to spell <laughs> everything out since there's so many different spellings. Um, and I am working on building a website, which I will just, we can just link to this when it is actually done. Um, but you can also email me at mac, M-A-K dot athletes with an S at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for answering all my questions and letting me ask you all the weird things. And it's been yeah, really fun you. just kind of hearing <laughs> your development over the years. So it's been Yes. Awesome. Well, this has been fun. Thank you. It's, it's fun to tell my story and be like, oh yeah, like I have a story yeah. to tell. <laughs> I have grown. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to the Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.